Welcome to this soul-lifting broadcast which has been put together for your spiritual growth and to make greatness common right where you are. Be sure to make the best of this moment as God takes the lead in all that concerns you. So we started a teaching series uh, last week that we've started Everyday Supernatural. If you have not been around, we've been speaking to the subject of supernatural living and supernatural act. The fact that every believer is supposed to be able to enjoy uh, uh, the acts of God in our lives and to live it out supernaturally. To live it out. The fact that believers are not bound by natural instinct alone and natural occurrences. We started by saying or describing what it means to be natural. It means to be bound to five senses only. So my living, my response to life, my perspective to life is only guided by my five senses when I live out naturally. And we say that, we said that one of uh, the benefits of having a relationship with God is that uh, your spirit is renewed. The life of God now dwells in you by the spirit of God. According to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, when any man is in Christ, is a new creature. And the newness starts from my spirit. My spirit is now connected to God and alive. And Paul writing in Romans chapter 8, he described that spirit. What spirit are we talking about? In verse 14, he says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then describe that spirit in verse 15. He said, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. That spirit of adoption, uh, I think in, in, in Passion Translation is called the, the spirit of matured sonship. I described adoption last week when I was using an analogy that it's possible for somebody to be adopted, perhaps maybe by a rich man, but if the person is not aware of the adoption or refuses to read the, the details of the adoption, then the person may be bound to the old ways of thinking and old ways of seeing himself or herself. And so the things that you're supposed to be able to access, you may not be able to access them because you don't even know that uh, uh, you, you have now been adopted into a new family. And the Bible talks about that spirit of adoption. He said we have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit of matured sonship, he said, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father simply means in simple English, Daddy. That we can call God Daddy is a privilege. But it's not just a mere privilege. It's a privilege that opens us up to a, a new way of living. A completely new life. And verse 16 says, it said that same spirit, the spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We share certain things in common. The nature of God is in me. The hand of God is upon my life. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm not ordinary. So I can live every day supernatural. Just like Christ did. Act 10.38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Somebody say, God is with me. Or say it again with conviction. Or say, God is with me. So I live every day supernatural. Say, I live the nature of Christ. I live it out in everything that I do. Only half of the church believes in what I'm saying. Yeah. Say, I live in the nature of Christ. I live it out in everything that I do. Praise God. We have the spirit of adoption. It's not an ordinary spirit. It's a spirit of matured sonship. There's an adoption. We seek to understand the details of the adoption as we grow in our faith. As we read the scriptures, like I said last week, it's not enough for you to be concerned only about certain areas of your life that are not the core. The core 
of the life of a believer is the spirit of the believer. That's, that, that was what was impacted, imparted when you gave your life to Christ. All things have become new. All things passed away and it started with my spirit. My spirit came alive. And remember 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 is one of the scriptures that you should memorize. The fact that I am a, a, a triune being. I'm a spirit primarily. When I'm done with my assignment in this world, it is that spirit that departs and returns back to God. The body is dropped here. You know, dust to dust, ash to ash, and that's, that's it. And it, we're done. This is just my earth suit. This is for recognition here or not. Yeah. There's nothing more to it. It's like a house. My spirit lives in a house. That's my body. But my spirit makes connections with this world through my intellect, my mind, my thinking faculty, my emotions so I can feel and all that. So I possess a soul. I am not a soul. I only possess a soul. I am not the body. I live in the body. I need the body as long as I'm here so that I can be a recognizable human being on earth. We live in a day and age where people, uh, most especially Nigerians, were struggling to get a second status around the world. But we neglect the number one status, which is that I'm a child of God, I'm a citizen of heaven. It's bigger than citizenship of America or Canada or, or UK or whatever that you're seeking right now. Don't neglect the most important citizenship for any other time. And I'm not saying you don't get another one if you want to, but the one that is most important, Jesus shed his blood for you to access that. Yeah, you may be paying a lot right now to get a second citizenship. Don't neglect the one that Jesus paid the ultimate price for. That is your real status. Because it's, it's, it's very dangerous to live in this world the word recognizes you, but in the spirit, you are in an entity. You remember Acts 17 where they said, uh, uh, the seven sons of Sceva, they wanted to cast out demons. The demon said, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, who are you? You have no status in the spirit. Glory be to Jesus. That's what happens when people cannot move and fly in the spirit. You don't have authority in the spirit. You live ordinary all the time. Yet you call yourself a believer. A person religion. If you're really a child of God, you carry the spirit of God in you. And by that spirit, something, there should be supernatural living. Something should be changing inside. And then something should be changing outside. Jesus spoke to winds and waves and they obeyed him. That is a supernatural act. It's available to everyone in Christ. So I can also speak into situations. I can lay hands on the sick. You don't have to be a pastor to lay hands on the sick and they recover. You can speak into a project that has gone south and it will go north. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying today. Yeah. That's the authority of the believer. And that's the nature of God that we share. And we must never, never, never neglect it. So I will say this. I want to encourage somebody here this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 6 and 7. Paul was writing to his protege, uh, uh, Timothy, and acknowledging the fact that it's possible to have the Spirit of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to explain what the anointing means. It's possible to have the Spirit of God, but it is dormant. So Paul was writing there, to Timothy in, in, in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, chapter one there. Praise God. Second Timothy 1 and verse 6. It says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you to the laying on of my hands. Say, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Just stir up. One translation, the Passion Translation says, fan into flame. Said, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame. And rekindle the fire. The fire of the spiritual gift. God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. Say, funny to flame. 
So it's possible for a spiritual gift to be available, for the anointing to be available to a believer, but it's not fun to flame. Yeah, it's not burning. It's not burning. It's not producing certain level of effect because it's just there and it's dormant. It's just dormant. Ladies and gentlemen, what does it mean to be anointed? To be anointed is to function under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. To function with supernatural enablement. That's what it means to be anointed. The anointing can make you scream or shout or fall, you know, under the power of God, but that's not really the anointing. The real anointing, uh, uh, you know, that's just the effect, but the real anointing is, uh, uh, is an enablement. It's an enablement to function in the realm of God. It's an enablement to function in the realm of God. Enablement to function in the realm of God. And we get into it step by step, precept upon precept. We grow into demonstrating divine nature and the divine acts of God. And it's available to all believers. It's also possible for a believer to be anointed for specifics. And when we get into certain areas of life, we trust God for a divine enablement for such areas. So if you have been in middle-level management and you are promoted to senior management, or you are promoted from senior management to executive management, there's a different level of grace that is at work there. That's the way you think and you allow the wisdom of God to come to you by the Holy Spirit that dwells in you so that you are able to make decisions, so that you are able to uh, you know, to, to, to walk and function based on a divine empowerment. There's an empowerment to be a good mother or a great mother. It's an anointing for it, an anointing for fatherhood. There's an anointing to run an organization. Yeah. And when God opens an opportunity up for you, please recognize as a child of God, the anointing is already supplied for it. You may access it or you may refuse to, but the anointing is already supplied for it. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. In Exodus 31, when you read from verse 1, God declared to Moses, for this project of building the temple that I'm giving to you, there are certain individuals that have anointed for certain things. And I wanted to sack them out so that the anointing I put upon them will come to bear in this assignment that I'm giving you. Exodus 31 from verse 1. The Bible says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have anointed, or see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of all, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Look at verse 4. To design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze. In verse 5 says, in cutting jewels for, for settings, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Truth is that your work may not be this kind of work. But for the work that God has positioned you for, there's also an anointing, an infilling of the Holy Spirit, an enablement that is necessary for you to do your work excellently, for you to think through projects and they pan out well, for you to, you know, to, to, to attack things and you see supernatural effect, not natural effect. I hope somebody's following me today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an anointing to turn things around in your life. There's an anointing to be a virtuous woman and a, and, and a wife, a husband in a home. All this one that, you know, you're always frustrated. You know, as if somebody forced you to set up a family. Yeah. I remember... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit just brought something to my mind. Uh, one, of, <laughs> one of my uncles used to live, uh, you know, I think, uh, was it Worry or I can't remember, one of those places. But I remember uh, uh, in my days uh, being trained, 
in, in oil and gas, I used to spend some time in, in his house, whenever I go to a field that is close to where they stay, I think he used to stay in worry. And one day, his wife was asking him questions and asking him for things, you know, uh, or, or talking to their children and say, uh, uh, they ask a question and they say, uh, your father, he go do him. Uh, he go pay. He go, you know, they were speaking pigeon. And <laughs> my uncle just looked up and said, he go go die, oh. <laughs> After the wife has said, he go do this, he go, like three or four times, he just look up instinctively. He go go soon die, oh. <laughs> I can never forget that occurrence. You know, rather than remaining, he go go die. There's an anointing for ego to function. I hope you understand what I'm saying. That, that's what I'm talking about. Because it's possible to be consistently frustrated in your God-ordained positioning if you will not leverage the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if you will not leverage the divine enablement that God gives. Romans 8 and 26, likewise, it said, we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit helps our infirmities. Yeah, he uh, said, uh, but the Spirit himself makes intercession yeah. Uh, okay. Where I'm going is, like I said, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. One translation says infirmity. The Spirit helps in our weakness. That when you when you talk about weakness, there it's not talking about your personal weakness. It's talking. I mean, your personal weakness is part of it, but generically, it's talking about human frailties. Yeah, that's what it's talking about. Human frailties. So you can say. Okay, this is passion translation. It said in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in human frailties to empower us in our weakness. If you can imagine. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. It's actually talking about our human frailties, the limitations that our humanity places on us from time to time. Yeah. Where we just feel frustrated. We feel we can't go on. We feel this is too much. That's when you and I need to leverage the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the enablement of the Holy Spirit, the enablement of the Holy Spirit to be able to pull through with something. Yeah. When your spouse frustrates you consistently, you need grace, you need the anointing to remain unfrustrated and to live out the nature of God inside you. Because some people ask questions, how can you love the unlovable? Practice it. It's supernatural living. <laughs> it's a divine enablement. Yeah. It's a divine enablement. Because you wonder how, how would Jesus, for instance, uh, uh, you know, somebody's, even on the cross, people are abusing, saying all kinds of that, and they say, don't hold this against them. If somebody's about to die, I thought you should say your last course. <laughs> I mean, that's how an African would behave. To say, you people have crucified me, Abby. See, as you have done this to me, they will do it to you hundred times. <laughs> and everybody will say, in Jesus' name. <laughs> but, so, that, that, I mean, it, it may sound funny, but that's supernatural living. Somebody is being crucified and he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. Why will you empathize with their ignorance? When, when people, somebody is killing me, what? Do they, they don't need my, my, my empathy for their ignorance. I want to not to fire them. <laughs> no, I, am I not saying, that's natural. I'm talking natural. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. But that's not supernatural. Supernatural says, I empathize with their ignorance. Father, forgive them, but they don't know what they are doing. Yeah. That's supernatural. When that divine enabling is upon your life, your capacity for complaining and murmuring reduces. You can imagine the children of Israel living through a wilderness experience with zero anointing or divine enablement. They complained all through until they frustrated themselves, they frustrated God, and God said, you are all going to perish in this wilderness, not going anywhere. They are his people quite all right. A people called to himself, Israel, his firstborn, but yet... 
The same way he killed the Egyptians in the Red Sea, he allowed them also to just perish there because they could not leverage divine enablement to live through a season. If somebody listening to me today, you're going through a season in life. It may look like a wilderness experience, but God wants to walk you through that wilderness experience with an enablement that is beyond the natural. Say amen, somebody. There's an enablement that's beyond the natural. And I bring that word of encouragement to somebody. Listen to me today. I speak to you by the Spirit of God. You will not cave in. You will not pack out. You, you, you know, that frustration comes to an end. This week, receive the Spirit of encouragement. The Holy Spirit comforts your heart. And it guides you into the fullness of God's will for your life. In the name of Jesus. Somebody receive grace to do a better work this week. You will not resign prematurely. I don't know who you have, but I'm speaking to you by the Spirit right now. I said frustration will not take you away from divine path to your destiny. In the name of the Lord Jesus, someone frustrated, you, you, you want to terminate that engagement. And I speak to you by the Spirit of God right now. Uh, God, 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 God wants you to stay there. Resolve that issue. It's not time to pack up that relationship. What you need is an enablement of the Holy Spirit. Glory be to Jesus. And that enablement comes to you today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, my God opens your eyes to see what he is doing in that situation. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. I said praise God. So the anointing within a believer enables supernatural living while the anointing upon enables supernatural acts. In Acts of the Apostles chapter 2, the Bible described what happened in the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit came. In the Old Testament, like we read in Exodus 31, the Holy Spirit comes upon people for specific things, specific, you know, Situations, the anointing came upon Elijah and he prophesied, you know, and stuff like that. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit doesn't visit. He's here permanently. Yeah. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. When you give your life to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit and it's in you. It's in you. It's in you. It's in you. Rather than looking for power, switch it on. You're already powered. Yeah. You're already powered. You know, I used that analogy last week. You don't, we, we don't look for power. We, we switch it on. We find it to flame. Yeah, you are like a house that's already powered. Don't look for a generator. Look for the switch. Yeah, switch it on. Switch it on. That's what I'm challenging us to do today. It's time to switch it on. According to Acts chapter 2, when you read from verse 1 to 5, the Holy Spirit came, filled where they were. Verse 2, the big part of verse 2, the Holy Spirit filled where they were, the whole house, then it appeared as divided tongues as a fire upon each and every one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak in other tongues. That's what the scripture says. So there's the presence of the Holy Spirit that is that, that we call corporate anointing. There's the anointing to leave. And then there, there is the anointing to minister to other people and impact situations. Glory be to Jesus. So the anointing of the Holy Spirit produces new abilities. Divine knowledge and generates alignment with God. So beyond feelings and physical manifestation, the anointing of the Holy Spirit delivers power for transformation. How do I mean? The anointing can cause goose pimples, but it's, it's, it's more than that. The anointing can make people cry, but it's more than that. The anointing can make people fall under the power, but it's more than that. That's just what happens when, you know, like... Something like, how do I describe it? Like you experience something that you're not used to. Sometimes an emotional bit of shock. Like when a gadget gets a power surge. That's what happens when people jack and do all that. But that's just an effect. The real anointing is what happens when something turns around. That where you demonstrate the enablement that you have received. Glory be to Jesus. Yeah. John 16 and verse 13. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, he said, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you 
things to come. Things to come. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal things to you as you seek to know him better and as you seek to live, to, to live out the supernatural. Glory be to Jesus. Even in 1 John 2 and verse 27, the Bible says, but the anointing which you have received, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and it's true and it's not a lie and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. That's the will of God for you and I. That we can live out divine presence on a daily basis. That the Holy Spirit can teach me things and make me know things. Does that mean that I really don't need anybody to teach me? Not necessarily. Sometimes I need people to guide me, but I'm not bound to the tail or to, to the apron of anyone in the name of uh, the person is so anointed or the person, uh, you know, is a prophet. And so before I make any decision, I have to run to the prophet. That's not New Testament Christianity. No, no. Yeah, the prophetic ministry can guide you. God can use somebody to speak into your life, but God doesn't want you to depend on anyone. You have received the spirit of mature sonship. Yeah. You have been adopted into a family. There's no superior child of God. All of us are children of God. <laughs> but there are called people, pastors, ministers, evangelists, pastors, apostles. The Bible says our job is to edify the saints for maturity. And when John was mature, what happened? Then you manifest as occasion demands. <laughs> I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a sign of spiritual immaturity when people hold on to aprons of called men and women all over the place. Yeah. As your pastor, I can pray along with you on any situation. I can speak into a situation on your behalf, maybe when it looks like it's beyond you. I can speak a blessing over your life. I'm supposed to guide you, teach you the word of God. But when your storm comes, the ideal thing is not to look for me. Speak. Yeah, speak. You speak to your storm. Yeah, speak to your storm. And then come and give me the testimony. Yeah. Come and give me the testimony. Speak to your storm. You carry the same spirit of adoption, of mature sonship like I carry. You speak to your storm. And leave out the supernatural. Leave out the supernatural. Sometimes you need guidance on how to speak, how not to speak, or where to stand to speak, but you speak. Yeah. So we guide you, but you speak. Sometimes we hold hands with you to speak together. Yeah. Because if two of you shall agree concerning anything, Scripture says it shall be done. But not that you want to go to Ibadan. You are looking for your prophet. Should I go or not go? Sit at home. Yeah. Sit at home. Maybe you are not mature enough to be going to Ibadan in the first instance. If you need somebody to be telling you whether to go or not to go. Because that is bondage. And the Bible says, we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But the spirit of mature sonship where we cry, Abba, Father. Glory be to Jesus. Is somebody being blessed this morning? Hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. So, it's time to find to flame the anointing that you have received. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Christians who do not cultivate the anointing received from the Holy Spirit run the risk of becoming merely religious without an experience of the supernatural. That's the risk that we run. When we don't find to flame the gift of God in us, the enablement that we have received, when we don't get it working, we stand the risk of just being religious. There are many religious gatherings as we speak now this morning. People are in all kinds of places. What makes the difference between an ordinary religious gathering and the real church of Jesus Christ is the power of God that's available. Are you still with me today? Not just in the gathering, but in the life of every individual. The grace to resolve the issues of my life. The wisdom, the understanding, the enablement to live out the God nature on this earth. 
That's what makes a difference. In Acts 4 and verse 13, ignorant and unlearned men lived out divine nature and they were marveled at what God was doing through their life. The Bible says, uh, now, when they saw the boldness, the boldness, that's not bold face. Boldness is different from bold face. <laughs> when they saw what Peter and John, what, what they saw, what they were doing. You can imagine at the gate, beautiful, where uh, Peter said, silver and gold I have not. What, what I have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When was the last time you lay hands on the sick to recover? If you have children, start with your children. Before you give Kapoor, lay hands first. Yeah. I'm not saying that you shouldn't give drugs to your, I mean, medicine to your children. No, but lay hands first. Pray. Yeah. Pray. Pray. Speak into situations. That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of boldness they saw in Peter and John. The Bible says they knew that they were uneducated and untrained men. But they took knowledge that they are being with Christ. What has been with Christ done in your life? Yeah. How do you speak in your boardroom or your management meeting? Because some people, they are only, it's only when they are fighting their spouse that they speak. You get into an important meeting, you don't say anything. And yet you want promotion. And you're not making any contribution. Don't waste the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life. Let it work. Let it work. Let it, let it speak out. They realize that they've been with Jesus and they recognize the anointing of God upon their lives and the level of boldness and the things that are happening around them. Let's wrap this up today. How do you cultivate the anointing? How do you cultivate the anointing? How do you fan it to flame? Yeah. Can you put that imagery on the screen for me again? That fan to flame. That, that flame thing. I want to see it. I love it. I love it. This is how a believer should be. Fan, you know, you know how we do barbecue locally. Yeah. Put charcoal and everything. When the thing, then sometimes you need the fire. Then you fan it and then it starts to. Do you know the reason why funny things hang around some believers? There's no fire, no heat. When the stove is cold, any fly can perch on it. When you allow stove to do its work, which is to bring out fire. You don't have to tell fly, don't come. Let it go there. Yeah. Go there and get roasted. Simple. I don't know, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So situations and circumstances will come and just disappear on their own. You even know they came. Yeah. When, when you carry fire, when you are fanning this thing to flame all the time. So how do you find it to flame? First, a strong desire, a strong desire. That's the first thing. The first thing in fanning it to flame. The grace, the anointing of God upon your life, you want to find it to flame a strong, a strong desire, a strong desire, a strong desire. Psalm 42 and verse number one, as the deer pants after the water broke, so pants my heart after you, O God. That's what the scripture says there. Psalm 42 from verse one. Are you, uh, what, what is the level of your desire for the supernatural? Do you desire the Holy Spirit? Do you desire divine enablement? Do you desire the wisdom of Jesus Christ? Or do you just want to use your brain and what you are taught in school? Sometimes what you are taught in school will not work. Yeah. Especially when what you are dealing with is more supernatural. There are demons that don't understand English. You understand what I'm saying? They understand boldness of faith. That when you show up, you don't even have to talk. They move. Because you carry something. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. The stove does not have to say, don't come near. You just come at your own detriment. At your peril. Come. But it's a strong desire. A strong desire. The driver for the activation of the anointing of the Holy Spirit is a strong desire in the believer's heart. Desire for freshness in the spirit, desire for divine impartation, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Matthew 5 and verse number 6 in New King James Version, it says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5 and verse 6 there. 
Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness said they shall be filled. In the economy of God, the means of exchange is hunger and thirst. Yeah. That's what you need for consideration. If you want an exchange, you come thirsty. You come hungry. You come thirsty. You come hungry. Do you desire? Do you desire? Isaiah 55, when you read from verse 1 to 3, it says, Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You have no money. Come, buy and eat. Uh, time will not permit you to read the rest. You can read it at home. Isaiah 55 from verse 1 down to maybe 3 or 5. Read it. It, it. it speaks to the fact that in the economy of God, hunger and thirst is recognized. They, they're, they're both recognizable for exchange. When you come hungry, come thirsty, you can receive something from God. You can receive something from God. When you come hungry, come thirsty, you can receive something from God. And the proof of desire is pursuit. Ladies and gentlemen, the proof of desire is pursuit. Pursuit is the proof of desire. And when you want to prove that you desire divine presence or anything in life, you have to pursue it. Anyone who says, I desire something and is not pursuing it, is a wish, it's not a desire. Desire is stronger than a wish. You can wish for something from ever, I mean forever, but when you switch to desire, you make things happen. Yeah, you make things happen. The proof of desire is pursuit. When I was dating my wife and I desired her, I pursued her. Yeah, even the gate man knew that somebody, somebody wanted something in this house. Because there was a time you can predict that by 7 p.m. my car is parked in front of our uncle's house in Maryland, Mende, in the Kedja here. I'm there. Even the game, oh God, you have come again. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> There's something that belongs to me that's inside this house. That's why I come all the time. The proof of desire is pursuit. If you want his presence, will you pursue it? Are you pursuing his presence? If you want his presence. You pursue his, that's my second point. We're talking about fanning to flame, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. One is desire. The second one is spend time in fellowship with God, praying, especially in the spirit. The proof of desire is pursued. Will you pursue God? Are you a God chaser? Yeah. Do you want to chase him and chase his presence? Very important. So when we spend time in worship, in prayer, we activate the presence of God. It's not like he's not there, but he may not be there actively. You bring him. Paul and Silas, they were in prison. They prayed, they worshiped God. They sang praises to God. And there was an earthquake. Divine presence was activated. Somebody may be saying, ah, didn't God know that I'm in this day? Uh, will he not show up? It's not by complaining. Emotions don't move God. Faith moves God. And faith is activated when I sing his praise, when I worship, when I pray, when I pray to him. So, it's time to seek his presence and be intentional about it. I give an example in the last service of when, when, when I was an undergrad, uh, and I had the opportunity to pastor. I started a ministry, actually, and started pastoring in university. One of the wisdom that God gave me is the intentionality of spending time in his presence. And I saw great effects. Great effects. Fellowship grew in no time. The power of God was always available because I had a routine. You wake up in the morning, do your prayer work as a student. I had no care in this world. No children, no, you know, spouse, nothing. My only responsibility is to pursue God and pass my exam. Those were the two priorities. Pursue God, pass your exam. Pastor a fellowship for almost the entire length of my stay. Five years studying engineering. I didn't have one extra semester. Not even one extra month. Yeah. Pursue God, pass your exams. Every other thing, secondary. Wake up in the morning, do my prayer work, head out to class. I don't miss classes. Yeah. Head out to class. The moment I finish my class, the first assignment is to go back to my room and pray in the spirit for 30 minutes. 
And then I can go study, I can go and eat and do all those other things. Yeah. The, 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 the level of boldness that God was manifesting through me, most people could not believe it. I remember one day they said, I mean, don't, don't, this is the kind of thing they say and say, don't, don't, don't try it at home. <laughs> one day, the, the old school was in pandemonium. They said, you know, those were days where campus courtism was very strong. They said they were attacking in the, in the faculty and it happened to be my faculty. And I said, I'm going there. He said, don't go. I said, I'll go. I want to go and study my faculty now. <laughs> Some of the things I did, when I remember now, I laugh at myself. But I was doing them under the influence. <laughs> Completely under the influence. I remember a particular day, some, some two court, uh, groups clashed at the student union building. The moment I heard about it, I called my own fellowship members. I said, we're going there. We're going to... Uh, a, a boy had been gone down. We had to take him to the health center. Everybody had, everybody ran away. We showed up. And as they were taking our boy to the health center, I told my, uh, my fellowship leaders, I said, let's, let's, we're going to be praying around this student union building. We're going to do it like Wall of Jericho seven times. And I'm going to declare nobody dies in this student union building again as long as we're in this school. Yeah. People could not come around there. We were there for three, four hours. When we finished, we went to the upper room of the student union building. And I was just laying hands on people, you know, we were just having fun in the spirit and, you know, prophesying and having fun. We took over the student union building. And I went to the fellowship, the next fellowship meeting day. I said, guys, student union building is no longer, is now no longer for court boys and drinkers and all that. We were going to be going there on a daily basis. We'll study there. We'll do study group there. We'll, 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 we'll do, we'll hold on there and pray. We started doing all those things openly. You meet your fellowship mate there eating and you join them. And as you finish eating, you say, let's just pray in the spirit. And we start praying. People will be looking at us. Till I left that school. Nothing like that ever happened again. We live out our faith practically. For you, it may be your neighborhood. It may be that office. You see all the funny, funny things they are doing there. And then you are eating our betting and just following them. It's time under the influence of the Holy Spirit to say, as long as I'm here, this will no longer happen again. Yeah, because I'm an agent. <laughs> I'm an agent. I'm an agent of God here. And I leave it out. And I want to see that kind of effect around me. Glory be to Jesus. I said, glory be to Jesus. Maybe what I'm saying today is about some people's pay grade. The way some people are looking at me and say, yeah, you're this pastor. Like, what I'm saying to you is, <laughs> is that the grace is available. You can leave it out. Pursue his presence. Number three is, Consistent study and meditation on God's word. Consistent study and meditation on God's word. Where there's no wood, the fire will go out. The word of God is the wood. When you keep putting it in, putting it in, your fire, the fire of the spirit keeps burning in your life and over your life. Colossians 3 and 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When the word is richly inside you, all you remember in the face of affliction are the works of Christ, the words of Christ, the I am statement. I am the light of the world. I am this. All those things are the things you'll be remembering. And they fire something inside you that ignites the supernatural in your life. Glory be to Jesus. I said glory be to Jesus. Lastly today, you can find the flame the anointing of the Holy Spirit by use and by impartation. By use and by impartation. How do I mean by use and by impartation? According to the parable of talent, whatever you use, God multiplies it. Yeah. To him that have, or, or that, that, and does not use it, he said you'll be collected and give to the one who use it. Which is why I ask the question, what is your posture right now when it comes to divine intervention. Are you always looking for other people or do you step up to the plate and say, I want to speak into this situation. We'll pray and something will happen. I will lay hands. I will do this. I will do that. I will make a difference in this situation. Because the more you do that, the more your faith goes and the more God gives you more grace to do more. And grace is increased over your life. So, the anointing is activated, stirred up, Fan to flame as you do something with what you have right now. 
Don't be like someone who needs power in the house. Huh? And has a 5 kVA generator, a 15 kVA, and a 25 kVA. And is struggling to put on the 25 kVA when all the person wants to do is to watch TV. And you can, you can just switch on the 5 kVA and watch your TV. Because some people just feel like what I have is not enough. Or I need to get to this point. And start, start with praying for your children that they are healed. You know, children will not even ask you any question. Should I pray for you? Say yes, pray. It's adults that will come and meet you and say nothing happened. Start with children and practice something. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You are not the healer. Jesus is the healer. You are just his representative. Yeah. Live as a representative and practice something. Let's see the power of God work in you. And then from there, it increases. It increases. And lastly, by impartation. That's why you should belong to a church like this. That's why you should belong to a small group. Yeah. And we have the small group fair today out there. That's why you should be amongst people. There's impartation that happens in the company that you belong to. There's impartation that happens between, you know, uh, uh, a called person who covers you and speaks over your life. Paul was saying there in 2 Timothy 1 and uh, verse 7 or verse 6, he said, when I lay hands on you, certain gifts were imparted upon you. And he said, continue to find them to flame. Continue to find them to flame. If I lay hands on you right now, Sometimes I'm not necessarily giving you what you don't have. I'm just tearing what you already have. Yeah. When I speak over your life, it's tears something that is already in you. That's why you must not cut yourself off from listening to the word of God, from being a part of a church like this where you can be imparted. But not that except a man of God is present, nothing happens. I, I, I hope you understand that. All I'm saying is that there's impartation that happens when you submit yourself to be nurtured, to be trained, to be tutored, to be discipled. Because we live in a time where people don't believe in discipleship again. And what happens in a discipleship situation is that the spirit of Elijah falls on Elisha. Yeah, that's what happens in discipleship situations. Yeah. That's what happens. And you remember the story of Elijah and Elisha? Elijah did not even lay hands on him. He just said, keep following, keep following. He said, if you can see me when I'm taking off. And it speaks to focus and intentionality. Keep following, keep watching, keep listening. And the spirit of Elijah will soon rest upon Elijah. Whether with physical contact or not. Yeah. Because the moment Elijah was being taken off, Elisha said, I see you, my father, my father. The chariot of Israel and the horsemen and a mantle fell upon him. And when Elisha got to River Jordan, he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Pa! Jordan parted into two. Who are you following? Who is discipling you? Which group do you belong to? Who is speaking into your life? Yeah. Who is inspiring you? Because you need that to continue to steer the gift of the Spirit and the, the, the anointing of God upon your life. Lift your two hands to Jesus today. Lift your two hands to Jesus and say, Father, my heart is open for the supply of your spirit. Say it again. Say, Father, my heart is open for the supply of your spirit. I don't want to be ordinary. I don't want to be ordinary. I don't only want to live naturally. I want to live supernaturally. Say, I don't only want to live naturally. I want to live supernaturally. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Fill me afresh. Fill me afresh. Fill me afresh. Say, I receive today a divine enablement to confront the issue, issues in my life, to confront the situations of my life in the name of Jesus. So I declare that I'm not ordinary. I carry the nature of God and the Spirit of God dwells in me so I'm naturally supernatural and I see the effect of God's presence in everything that I lay my hands upon to do. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody who is blessed today, put your hands together, celebrate Jesus.
As we start to wrap up in the service, I'm going to pray for anyone here who is not saved. But before I do that, I want to lead us through this confession. If you don't have it yet, I want to encourage you to download it from our website or get it from any of our social media platforms. Can you put up the, the supernatural confession on the screen? We're going to go through it together. We'll do it every Sunday for this period. And after this period, then you own it. Own it and make it your personal confession. Is that okay? I said, is that okay? So everyone lift your voice and say after me, say, I'm a spirit, born of the spirit, and I possess the nature of God. Say, the spirit of God dwells in me, influences me, empowers me, guides me, conditions me, and expresses God's capabilities through me. Say, I, I, I live beyond my five senses. And outside the realm of human knowledge, because I'm supernatural, and I live every day supernatural. Say, my life is governed, directed, influenced by the divine nature and supernatural capabilities. I sense the invisible, I hear the inaudible, and dare the impossible. All according to my supernatural nature. My supernatural nature manifests in big things, ordinary things, and every area of life because I'm supernatural and I live every day supernatural. Say divine wisdom, power, peace, patience, love, and joy are part of my divinity. And I manifest them daily. I am not limited in expression, growth, and manifestation by economic conditions, medical science, political systems, and financial system. Because I am supernatural, and I live every day supernatural. I am resilient, creative, perceptive, full of power and strong in character in a way that ordinary humans cannot fathom. When people encounter me and interact with the work of my hand and try to analyze my life, they perceive divinity because I'm supernatural and I live every day supernatural. If you believe that, put your hands together, celebrate Jesus today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you for listening. We hope you are truly blessed. Please feel free to email us at info at elevationng.org for all inquiries or to share any testimonies. You can also follow us on our social media channels at ElevationNG. To have access to real-time updates on all broadcasts and special programs. Till we come your way again, keep making greatness common.